Welcome back to another episode of the Projecteers Podcast. As usual, I am Kevin, and today I'm joined by Joe and Matt. Say hello, boys. Hello. Hi. So today we are gathered around the podcast phone to talk about something that I don't know a lot about, but Joe and Matt have experience in, and that is home-built hot rods. Good. Um, so we are not far from one very special hot rod. That's right. That, that belongs to Joe and a lot further away from Matt's, but, you know, you it's can only get so much. Spirit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, let's start with, let's start with the close one, Joe. Tell us what it is that you have All and right. uh, a little bit about it. Ah, okay. This, this will lead us into a really good uh, rant from yours truly. So it's a 27T Roadster, Ford Model T. Um, it's actually not. It's just a fiberglass body. Right. But um, I tried to build it on the cheap in the true spirit of what hot rods were originally, which was a cheap vehicle that was an amalgamation of other parts. So I'm trying to think here. It's got a fiberglass 2070 Roadster body, a fiberglass 32 Model A grill shell, and then it's a 67 F100 twin I-beam front end with a 55 F100 Dana 44 rear end with the uh, true lock or track lock Limited slip. Limited slipper in. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the rear suspension consists of a bunch of old takeoff Jeep Wrangler control arms and some custom-built radius arms for that sweet twin I-beam front end, which has been shoved together as close as I could get to make the track width similar. And then it's got a sweet set of adapters on it to get the... Uh, mid-80s era BBS RS <laughs> three-piece wheels off of a Corvette on it. Those are my favorite parts. Ah, dude, I don't know like, why. They are like, they just, they do it for me for some reason. It ties it together very well. And then uh, for a power plant, it's got a 1990 Mustang 2.3 liter Lima four-cylinder naturally aspirated, but hopefully someday some forced induction of some kind. Mated to a 78 Pinto wagon automatic. So what about, what's it all on, what's the frame-wise? What's, uh, what's going on with the frame back there? Because it a, looks fancy and red. And That's right, it is red. It's a scratch-built chassis by yours truly. Um, and because it's like the, the typical hot rod with the exposed frame, I tried to avoid any straight lines and any shock mounts or frame rails or anything in the exposed frame section. So it looks like a, an inbred spider, to put it lightly because it has all these arcs and opposing directions and whatnot. But it's fancy. It's fancy. Very fancy. And, and aside from the wheels, the coolest part on the car yeah, yeah. is the grill. The grill. Oh, yeah. like, oh, I, yeah. have, I have showed so many people that grill, and it blows my mind, because, again, me, who is not the fabricator of this, like, I don't even understand how that grill happened. So go, Joe, on the grill. Tell us okay. a little bit about what the grill is and how you did it. So when the fiberglass grill was molded, they did not cut the opening in the grill. It was just a solid piece. And trying to come up with a creative way to do a grill in it, I decided to lay out a grid and drill a perforated hole pattern that kind of gave a look of a three-dimensional skull. And it looks kind of. It looks it's, good. It couldn't be it's better, like, in my opinion. Yeah, a thousand it holes. It took awesome. me like 
five hours to do. It was quite an undertaking, but the effect, I think, is, is effective for sure. Yes, yeah. And I just noticed you're wearing your Joester shirt. I am, coincidentally enough. Heck yeah. So, so if you're not familiar, Joe obviously does all of our artwork um, with his Joe Custom Design stuff, and he's got some artwork of his Joester that's there, pretty sweet. There are two... two does it have the grill pieces. on it? You did the grill, yeah, too, didn't you? got the grill on it. Oh, yeah. See? It's even dotted. But, uh... Yeah, that the, there's a Jolster drawing, and then there's the the form over function is with. It's also. Oh yeah, which would be the the current, I guess, work in progress. Because the whole thing is a work in progress, more or less. But uh, I've been working on developing a hardtop for it that's removable and stowable in the vehicle. So, the doors are inoperable. It's just a tub you climb into. So I started fabricating out of aluminum a trifold hardtop that would open like a clamshell and the window frames would swing suicide style so you could climb out of it but then if you wanted you could depin the upper door halves and then like almost like a tonneau cover like roll the hard top up and tuck it behind the seat which is awesome it's quite elaborate it's it's gone through a couple iterations <laughs> yeah it's been a work in progress for sure so, so matt and joe were at uh, when joe was working at the school there together and so matt had a lot of hand in this i just showed up occasionally looked at it threatened to take pictures of it which joe never that's let right. me do but now all bets are off you can, you can go mess with that <laughs> so so tell us about the lima the two three lima so Stephen asked me, why is it called 2-3 Lima? And I said, I don't know, because that's what Joe calls it. I believe it's manufactured <laughs> in Lima, Lima, Ohio. So it's from the manufacturer. I believe so. Because okay. like, like you got like the Cologne V6 that Ford did, and I think that was actually originally produced in Cologne, Germany. And then uh, like the Windsor, obviously, or the Cleveland. Right, like where it, they it's come from. Where it came from. I believe it came from. Lima, Ohio. So, so if you're prepared, uh, give us the two, three Lima rant. Yes, now is your now is your I time. I am prepared. I've been waiting <laughs> for this moment. So the two, three Lima came out in like, uh, like around 1970, and it had a brief iteration as a two liter, but then was quickly punched out to a two three. Um, it came in a myriad of in, uh, uh, automobiles, um, like the Pinto. That's what it's most notably known for is it's the pinto motor right the single overhead cam uh 2300 cc it's all cast iron like the thing weighs like 350 400 pounds something like that oh excuse me um but uh like the thing is like bulletproof uh they actually produced it until it was either 2004, 2006, or 2008. I do not recall which, but somewhere, somewhere in that area. You, you, so you from should like, know. You should know. Well, what like range are we just looked at? What year was that? That was a 90-something. It was a 90s, yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. I want to say 06, because when the Duratec uh, four-cylinder came out in the Focus, they put it in the Ranger as well, and that was when they finally, the, the late two, or mid-2000s Rangers were the last vehicle to have a Lima in them. But, I mean, you look at, like, 1970 to, let's say, 2006, like, it was like a 36-year run on that motor, like, and it didn't see a whole lot of refinement other than going from carbureted to fuel injection. There's a brief period in time where they actually did a dual spark plug head, which that's actually what's in the Spitfire. Um, and there's conflicting reports. Like, if you get online, people say, like, the dual plug head was good for another five horsepower, blah, blah, blah. But the crazy thing is, in like the late 70s and 80s, 
Like, it was actually, like, ahead of its time as far as, like, import tuner type stuff. People mated them to Volkswagen transaxles and made sand rails out of them. There were turbocharged iterations that came in the T-Bird and the Cougar. And they put out, like, you know, mid-200s. And a fun one to bring up is the 1985 to 87 Mustang SVO, which actually produced more horsepower than the 5.0 of those years. And that was Ford's attempt at like some kind of tuner bracket. But everybody still wanted a V8 in their Mustang. Right. So even though the 2.3 Limo with a turbo on it made more horsepower, um, they just couldn't sell them. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of off the chart here, but like similar to the Grand National, right? Like originally oh, yeah. when that came out, like it wasn't a great, like, I mean, it yeah. sold some. But it wasn't like an overwhelming thing, crazy even though it was second only to the Corvette, right? Mm -hmm. um, and now people love them, right? You have people building Grand Nationals yep. and think they're the best things ever. Yeah, but so. there's still people that don't like four-cylinder Mustangs. Yeah, that's true. That's they true. don't. <laughs> that, now, that takes a little bit more to catch up. One of the things I like about British cars is that they always acknowledge their heritage, right? Like Jaguar and Aston Martin always do these nods to their, their glory years. And when they brought back the 5.0 Coyote motor... They also brought back a 2.3 EcoBoost, which made my heart so happy to see <laughs> that they, they, they could have made any displacement on Earth. But the fact that they went back to a 2.3 just, just made me happy. Now, another tangent was they did a stroked version of it, which was a 2.5 that they put in the Ranger. And I think it had like a tad more on the bottom end, but it wasn't like anything consequential. But there are like, you can find YouTube videos of like naturally aspirated 2.3s knocking on the 300 horsepower range really yeah so so stock what are they averaging? I, like 100 120 okay um if you had a turbo on it you're up to 200 and there's like there's people that have put like 30 pounds of boost and all this crap and they're getting in the 300 horsepower with them which when you're considering like that engine really hasn't changed much since 1970 it's pretty dang good you know yeah um but uh one thing I've read a lot about was they said like the, the engine itself was was virtually bomb proof. Like you could take any two three, throw in low compression pistons, and then throw a crap ton of boost at it, and you were like good to go. Like you really didn't have to do a ton of work to be able to like hop it up. So they had kind of their glory days in like the like I said mostly the 80s, maybe even in the early 90s, and then as Hondas and stuff started coming out and other other small power plants came to be they kind of subsided from like being like the go-to motor but um i am trying to remember where i was going with all this coincidentally enough my introduction to the 23 lima was i was given a pinto motor for free and like the more i dig dug into it the more i just like found it fascinating that like this thing existed for as long as it did too. yeah which is which is awesome and and we've had this conversation before where okay so the joester right weighs yes. all of what I, my goal is to keep it as close to a thousand pounds as possible. It's there, a little over. There's been some debate about whether or not I'm going to be able to keep it there, but let's say it's in the sub fifteen hundred pound range. So you know, I mean, and we the conversation we've had was that you know you see all of these massive hot rods being made fiberglass bodies or original oh, yeah. or whatever with massive V8s in them with big blowers on them that that never get put to the floor. I mean, it's not well, that's, you're not going to yeah. do it if you. You know, at, at, when I worked at the shop, there was a couple old hot rod type things that came in with these big overbuilt motors, 
and it wasn't the original builder, right? So it was like either the main one I'm thinking of, it was handed down to him from his father-in-law. And he said it was the scariest thing ever to drive. He hated driving it. Yeah. He had this, it was a beautiful car, but he hated driving it because it was scary. You know, it's, yep. it just had so much horsepower that it just went wherever it wanted to go. And so, you know, we've talked about driving, you know, a supercar at, at regular speeds versus driving a low-end oh, yeah. car at full speed. You know, it's it's more fun to do that, right? And yep. so um, I think the Joester is going to be, I mean, like we're saying, 100, 150 horsepower range, you know, unless you get crazy with it. But when it only weighs 1,500 pounds. Oh, yeah, it should be plenty fun. Yeah, you'll, you'll definitely be able to get around and, you know, maybe even... I don't know, be able to light the tires up and have a good time without having that, that giant V8, which, which we've talked about too, how excited we're going to be to take it to a show and just yes. watch people look at it and be like, oh, look at that. What in the yeah, heck? Like <laughs> just the, the total bewilderment. Because it's a good looking car. Like it is cool looking. And then you walk up and you look at the motor and you just like, you have to stop and think for a minute. Like that's, that's not what I'm used to seeing there. You know, yep. it's. And it has a lot of custom stuff on the motor too. So it doesn't, yeah. doesn't look just like a two, three. You're going to look oh, at it and be true, like, what yeah. the heck? But yeah. it's definitely not going to be a V8 cause it's an inline four. And yeah. but yeah, it's got, cause you did custom head intakes. It's, it's got a, yeah. The, not head, the, the valve, valve cover. cover. Yeah. yeah. I did like a ribbed, like sixties style Edelbrock valve cover. And then, exaggerated uh, a little bit. Exaggerated, yeah, it's like I built it myself because it's not necessarily like an off-the-shelf thing. And then it's got kind of a weird header, which that may get swapped out for something that's got a whirly gig on the end of it. It's like a Star Wars um, thing on the the. Oh yeah. The intake. The intake is kind of a weird, goofy velocity stack, hoodingy. That I, I don't know. I've, I've toyed around this changing some of that around but yeah like the, the goal was just to make it pretty abstract and it, this made me sound terrible especially in like some of the circles that i run in but like at no point in my life had i ever really like wanted a hot rod yeah right like i'd always been a british car nut and like that's where my heart was and so when i had the opportunity to put this together number one i was going to do it on the cheap because he didn't care i didn't care <laughs> but number two i wanted to kind of like go against the grain and stick as it many, to the man yeah as many directions <laughs> as possible so like it's got these like 17 inch 80s corvette wheels on it and i'm gonna paint it i think it's gonna be uh like seafoam green satin with a red chassis like it's just gonna be stupid in like very many directions and i there's there's something very like creatively liberating um when it came to that because i wasn't trying to stick to any particular vibe with the whole hot rod or genre it's definitely not going to blend in at a car show <laughs> at all it'll stick out so you're going to look at it and then you question everything when you see it right yeah. especially because because the aluminum top that you were talking about isn't a regular aluminum top like no, it's, it's chopped and slanted and yeah it's pretty very reminiscent of you know rat pink and kind of those exaggerated vehicle type stuff going on so so it's it's pretty cool and it's how close are you on it where are you at on it I, i'd say we're probably 50 percent mark i think most of the hard figuring is done i mean like the motor sitting in it the suspension's pretty well figured out um i just detail stuff but like i think the majority of the hard stuff is is behind it i think a lot of mechanical stuff and actually having to throw money at it is kind of the point it's at but i like it really it's like the type of thing where it's a you know an old carbureted motor you know 500 bucks and a 
couple of good weekends in the garage, it could probably be like semi-functional. So. Nice. Anyway. Well, and the other thing that Joe always likes about the 2.3 is like the fuel economy you can get with 2.3 against a V8 since that's uh, what the true, comparison yeah. is. Something you could you could daily drive and, oh, not, yeah. and it's not break the bank, right? It's going to be fun, gonna be ton of fun economical, yeah. and you know, relatively reliable. Especially like looking at the Spitfire, not to deviate in that tangent, but it, by default I have to bring it up at least once. Like getting rid of the old Triumph motor and putting a 2.3 in there, I've doubled the displacement, doubled the horsepower, and it's still like a pretty reliable power plant because I haven't modified anything on the motor. You, like you, you act like that's hard though. You take a British motor out and you put an <laughs> yeah. American motor in it, it's going to be more reliable. Well, that's true. By default, it's it's inherently more reliable. <laughs> See, and I took an American motor out and put, put a, a Japanese, Japanese motor in. <laughs> we own more four-cylinders than... We own a I, lot of four-cylinders. That, that's where it's at, though. Like, I don't know. But I, the same thing as Scout, right? We've had the conversation. Yeah, like, same thing. My displacement went up. I went to fuel injection. I went to reliability. And I went to be able to get parts. Like Yeah. And I, I think... And it was a weird choice. And it was a tent. It was a going on a whim. And it was what yeah. I had. But... But there is an element of resourcefulness. I don't like, have a four-cylinder. You don't? No. No? You cooler than us? No. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, uh, I think people have a tendency to overbuild things. Like, that they take displacement and use it in the place of, say, creativity or, I don't know. Well, and, and you and I both have a thing for doing the obscure, right? It's like, oh, yeah. we, we I, we're, we're never going to build that 57 Chevy, you know. And, 69 yeah. Camaro. 69 yeah. Camaro. Yeah. Joe always says that. 69 Camaro. Oh. Yeah, we're just, it, for whatever reason, that doesn't appeal to us. And I had that conversation with my dad once. Somebody brought up the fact that I had a bunch of weird cars. And he's like, well, I knew he was had a weird taste in cars. And I was like, I was young. I was probably like 10 or something. Our neighbor was building a... Uh, Carmen Ghia with a rotary motor in it on airbags. Oh, wow. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And he's just like, that's when I knew that you were hopeless. Because <laughs> my <laughs> so dad is very much guys. an American muscle guy. And, that's and, funny. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've got all these weird, obscure things. And <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. That'd be sweet. That, that would be crazy. Cool. So, crazy. So going from the Joester, Matt, does yours have a name? The Matster? Well, there's. I've been <laughs> kicking around a lot of names. Like, It has a... It has a Mustang motor in it um, from to V6. I got it for free from Joe, actually. <laughs> and uh, free is the key right there. So that's right. Like a name could be like 38 Special. I like the Buck Short because it's a really exaggerated small T bucket. I like that. I'm, I'm basically short. like I'm basically sitting on top of the thing to drive it. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about. So Joe's got the fiberglass body. You've got an aluminum body that was handmade by the two of you, right? Yep. Were... Mostly Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about the body on it. You know, what is it? How did it come to be? Where did the idea come from? So, kind of the background history. So on the it. idea came from uh, uh, an artist named Johnny Jalopy. He drew this picture, and it looked pretty cool. And it was it was kind of like in the uh, um, Big Daddy Roth kind of wheelhouse or yeah. Yeah, a lot of his like genre genre I guess so like it was this monster in this tea bucket that was that he looked like he was sitting on top of the body driving the thing right Joe yeah. like it was very exaggerated yeah so basically from this picture I showed it to Joe and I'm like I want to build this and of course Joe's a terrible influence <laughs> <laughs> he's like let's do it so 
it's scratch built like we built the frame the body body was a lot of fun because it was. It because was we really good challenge we bead rolled like the whole paneling thing and yeah, it, yeah paneling and that was that was probably one of my favorite favorite parts so far working on that thing was was bead rolling the thing because it just because it gave it a depth gave it a depth and it 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 uh, went along with the picture that we were referencing from and it looks really good well. too and i'll i'll admit to that because i bead rolled the floors on the scout and I did a terrible job. It looked like crap. So after seeing my job and then seeing this thing, like it looks, it looks dang good. And like you're saying, it gives it a, a lot of depth and a lot of character, with just that little change to it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing looks absolutely ridiculous. Like, especially like, I plan on having like two seating, like, an eleven, um, like on seating position here. Yeah, yeah, seating position. Joe can explain that better. <laughs> Because in like that, the drawing he is almost sitting outside the vehicle, so we're gonna try to make like a two-position seat that you can be a little raise bit more the inside. seat up, yeah, oh, really? and look like the drawing. See, I didn't know about that. That's and then cool. lower the seat down so that you're actually a little more it. inside. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this thing is it's very exaggerated. There's like, no room in in the tub. Right. You literally tub, sit you fit on two top seats of the tub. Yeah. Rear axle. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a bench going in. It's maybe 13 inches deep. That's how deep <laughs> the seat teeny. is. But like the hump that's going over, going over the crazy framework we did, which, which Joe should explain the, <laughs> the framework because it's nuts. Because Joe, or basically a guy's gonna walk up and be like, "What the heck is going on?" Because, because yeah. we got leaf springs in the back, and like it looks like we have two different separate frames. Yeah. So it's uh, trying to think of a good way to describe it because of the. How short it Dimensional is. constraints. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. The transmission actually mounts right to the rear axle. And so the way we got around that was we pretty much built like a ladder. Big swing arm. Swing like arm. Like a big yeah. swing arm. That the entire drivetrain mounts to. Yeah. And because we wanted the body to be severely channeled to fit around this, there's actually a second frame, more or less, like the actual frame that is mounted via transverse leaf but almost yeah. upside down <laughs> so i'm learning all sorts when, of things about yeah, this, this isn't gonna make you, any sense when you hit a bump <laughs> the frame and the body actually move around the drivetrain that's where your suspension behavior comes from really yes and then shortly just barely north of the front of the motor is a second set of like traditional hairpin style uh, radius arms with a transverse leaf in like the suicide configuration on the front end with a custom built uh, uh, This front axle is crazy. Okay, front axle. I bought I bought this uh, Dana 44 out of a Blazer or an old Chevy <clears throat> We cut the knuckles off of it and put it on this bar that Joe bent up like Years, know, like years, years prior, before, right? Yeah. It and was gonna be a hot rod front axle and we just never finished it so we repurposed it in this context and then the rear axle i actually got from joe's dad out of his field <laughs> and it's like uh it's out of i think it's out of a blazer too yeah that. yeah i'm like it was missing a drum which i still don't have yeah. by the way <laughs> so it's just it's been it's been pieced together like the motor i got from free for from joe and then just all the just all the customization all the body or the frame and and body stuff so, so the short of this is, I'll get some pictures and put them on Instagram. 
so that we can all make sense of what the heck you're That's talking right. about. Because so, it will. So I want to make sense. So you said the motor and transmission is mounted directly to the rear axle. Mm -hmm. No yes. drive shaft, no nothing there. Nope. There's a single U-joint between the transmission. But that whole thing is like on a pivot that moves? So it's the, on a pivot at the front. The front pivot point, they're actually uh, cut up semi-trailer control yeah. arms. So... <laughs> yeah. They're they're pretty beefy and they are adjustable. They're and I got threaded. Jeep I got Jeep bushing. Oh yeah, too. You got, <laughs> we cut up some Jeep control arms to put in there for good measure because really like Jeep stuff should just be cut up. But, uh, <laughs> it makes good scrap salvage stuff. Yeah, that's right. We we don't we don't even like bat an eye at the at the FJ40 stuff, but we just take it see, easy. I had to, I had to throw it, it out there. I had to throw it out. But anyway, so the pivot point is actually like where like your crank pulley is, right? And so there's a tubing ladder structure that's got your engine mounted to it, transmission mounted to it, and then at the very end of it, it's got these cradle brackets with bushings in them that hold the rear axle. So from that, the center of the transverse leaf mounts to that. And then, I'm trying to remember how we did this. I believe that leaf spring is actually upside down. Yep, mm -hmm. and it goes to the frame. And it goes out to shackles that attach to the frame. So if you were to put this thing on a lift, and put the lift underneath the frame, and lift it up, would the rear axle typically would sag. It would come down until it contacted the frame. And and when it drops down, the transmission and engine are rotating yep. with it. Exactly. Yep. That's amazing. So there could be some, you know, issues of like vibration and stuff. I don't maybe. plan on taking this thing over forty-five <laughs> yeah. miles an hour, if I'm lucky. So this is this is form over function. Oh, for best, sure, right? absolutely. Oh, sure. This 110%. has this has the Joster beat by far when yeah. it comes to form over. When it comes function. to form over function, like it was, we we're trying to 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 kind of be very true to this this picture that yeah. we had. Yeah. And in all honesty, like because you know. We do have constraints. We're always our, our own worst critic, Oh, yeah, right? that's true. We actually ended up making the front end a little longer than the picture, which I was like, that was the one area that we had plenty of room to work with, yeah. and we overshot, but, like, everything else is, like... It's so close. Very, it's so yeah, dimensionally it's, close. It's crazy. So have you have you shared this with Johnny yet? Does he know that you're... I've, I've messaged him. So when I first started, I'm like, I'm going to build this, and I got a like from him. But then, like, I've sent him... I've sent him pictures of the progress and everything. I haven't yeah, gotten anything from him. But he's a cool dude. He's yeah. a great artist. He's he's worked with one of my favorite builders, Ian Russell. He's just... Yeah, that... It's, it's been cool watching... I mean, I've seen the pictures that Matt's posted up on his Instagram. And knowing that you guys were going off that picture and, like, off of, like, a strictly... You know, a drawing that it's not a, it's not a yeah. real thing, right? It's someone's imagination. And, it, and we only had the side view. Like we're making up the back yeah, and yeah. the front. So trying to get as as creative as possible to fill in the blanks. So so Matt, well, do you want to plug your Instagram? People go look at it if they want to look at it. Um, what is it? I think it's I think it's Jeepney Miller. J e e p n e y dot Miller. I think is what it is. So look that up. Look at like on the project tiers one. Um, I'll tag him in some stuff too. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll get some photos and put that up, and we'll maybe put some photos of the Joster up and and whatnot. But both of these both of these cars are awesome to look at, and they're both very unique and both very different in their own way. And just you know the idea that 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 Joe and I have talked about of of bringing to life you know these these vehicles in aluminum bodies right yeah that just the ability to make a homemade hot rod like they used to right so this this yeah. goes back to obviously well, this the, is this is even more crazier because like 
We're breaking the body from scratch. Right, yeah, yeah you're 100% doing, you know, an, an aluminum body hand-built off of something that didn't exist, you know. Um, and we've talked about maybe recreating some of the um, Ed Roth stuff, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Just that yeah. same idea, going down the same path that, that Matt's done with his, um, with, you know, making the, the aluminum bodies for these just totally radical, obscure vehicles. Yep. You know, and bring them to life. And, and, and in the same... Vein. Well, the same sizes, right? right. Like the, the awkwardness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the proportions yeah. of, of the drawings, right? When everybody's big and the shifters are big and you're hanging yeah. out on either side of it. And, mm-hmm. You look humongous. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that's like when you look at like the, the traditional hot rod of like the... the, the when it started. Genesis like of at, hot Like after rodding. World War yeah. II. And, and where it is now, like... It's totally different. You've kind of deviated into two classifications. You're either a rat rod, which they almost have become more dysfunctional in the sense that, like, it's not something you could drive every day. And then you look at, like, the street rod, which is all chromed out and, you know, 900 horsepower. Just a pretty thing. And it's still something you couldn't drive every day, nor would you dare to drive it every day because it's too much time and energy and too much nice paint. And so, like, it's like this this great landscape has been opened up of just untapped... It's the traditional, right? The traditional rod that... that Trying to do something with the the resources (laughs) you can compile on your own and turn it into something that is unique in and of itself just as a result of that, right? right? We're not building it just for other people to like it or whatever. Like, we're building it because it's what we like. It's, it's a fun, creative yeah. exercise. Yeah. Um, and that was honestly, like, the Joester, when I first started it, I really had no intentions of ever, like, seeing it to fruition. And it, it I poked around it, and I believe the first picture I have of it is, the like, I was going to do just a basic square tubing, like, Z-notch frame. And I think July of 2014 was the first picture I took of it. And, like, within minutes, I knew that, like, just having two chunks of rectangular tubing hanging out the front wasn't going to work for me. (laughs) Um, But even at that point, like, it it literally became a matter of, like, I'm very, I tell people I'm OCADD, but, like, everything in it mechanically is forward, minus, like, the Jeep control arms and stuff. But it has, like, the, the steering rack is actually a Ford Pinto steering rack. It's got a... 80s Mustang steering column. It's got a, you know, 80s Mustang motor or 90 Mustang motor Pinto transmission. But it's like this amalgamation of all these random Ford bits, but I guess the exception would be the wheels. But uh, the the point of it was, like, I was never dead set on any specific thing. Like, it didn't have to have a Jaguar end or a Mustang 2 front end or a V8. It was just, what could I get that would maybe work and be somewhat unique? And so, as it organically grew from there, it, it became more and more entertaining to put together. And now I do kind of want to see it come to fruition just for that reason is right. it is so abstract that, I mean, I don't know how that front end is going to handle, but it should do okay. I mean, pre-runners rock that front end all the time. So. Yeah, who knows? Maybe you can jump it. That's right. <laughs> you need to do sick wheelies. The front end will just lift up and the tire will stay on the ground oh, and yeah. just droop. <laughs> See, old tires on it. I've been experimenting you can make it do a with sand rail. Uh, sand rail. That's right. Like Sorry, the, the rugged radios, thirty-two model eight. Um, like I've been toying around with doing some like pneumatic cylinder suspension and stupid stuff on it because that's 
what I like to spend my time thinking about. Right. Because I think Joe is very unique in the way that, like, me and a lot of people out there, you know, like you said, you, you build the 57 Chevy, you build the 69 Camaro, right? You you build the things that you know how to build and you know they go together where you can take something that doesn't exist and create it, right? And you can decide to put this thing on there and no, it's not going to bolt on and no, nobody's going to make a bracket for it. But, but that's, it's you can fabricate things to make yeah. it happen, right? Yeah. So that takes, you, you know, your abilities and your builds to a whole nother level. Um, so I, I do want to digress a little bit sticking on the idea of a home build hot rod and and what you've done in the past with the bodies yeah so before the joster and before matt's car um there's a lot of smaller versions of things that you were oh yeah about. yes so let's talk about those a little bit and I, I i had a hand in a couple of them and they're they're awesome so what is tell us a little bit about so joe makes i don't know you try to explain it so the the, the, the very first one i did was actually a miniature army jeep that I, I gutted a four-wheeler for the drivetrain and suspension and everything, and then just more or less scaled down, you know, an old flat fender World War II era. Right, you built the body. And scratch built an aluminum body around it. And really, that was kind of the the catalyst to, to all of this, because mm-hmm. I had had fantasies. It's funny, because, like, seven, eight years before this, I had actually sketched up this very idea and forgot about it. The Jeep or the... The Jeep, yeah, yeah, doing like a baby Jeep. And I was like long travel, almost like what a Razor would look like, but like, you know, a miniaturized Jeep on an ATV platform to be a baby rock crawler. And like later on after I built the mini Jeep, I, I found it. I was like, what the heck? But yeah, the mini Jeep, I mean, it was like a Kawasaki Bayou 185. I made a shifter in it. And it was a lot of fun to drive. It's since kind of hit its apex and is now rotting in the weeds but uh from there it grew into the i kind of wanted to up it and because i'm not super in love with jeeps right <laughs> i i i ventured into the the land rover jeep is the most basic design right yes square square flat good so once i figured out that yeah, like like it a is land doable, rover is much more advanced <laughs> right? than a freaking jeep so then i made a like a first generation land rover body for a golf cart and then, uh, so I rebodied a golf cart and put a snowmobile engine in the trunk and put like an ATV winch on it and it's got working headlights and... It's pretty sweet. And... Uh, that Land Rover seats in it? Is that it actually? does actually have Land Those Rover seats Those are Land Rover seats? seats? Yeah. I thought they were out of like a Civic or something. No, they're, they're Land Rover Discovery too. They're pretty well hammered though. It's time for something else. But, uh, but I mean, the thing it hit, it's... The, the golf cart I started with is pretty spanked. So it needs some new bushings and stuff. But, like, that thing, I could probably get it up, like, 45 miles an hour. Right? <laughs> Any golf cart at that speed with that much horsepower it's, it's is got sketchy. Some... No matter and, what. and it's a little higher. It's, yeah, it's higher, center of higher center of gravity up there. I think I gave it, like, a 2 or 3-inch lift. And it's it's actually got home-built adapters and Triumph Spitfire steel wheels on it just so they look period correct. Yeah. And... Uh, I actually took apart the snowmobile clutches and like weighted them with washers to try to get it to engage <laughs> and like there there's definitely some mad science going on with that thing but um but the thing that that Joe's leaving out is his fit and finish on that thing is ridiculous <laughs> like the paint job you did you built the custom the sand what are those oh the, the sand built miniature oh, yeah, yeah. sand ladders and I mean he's he's decked it out to make it look like a miniature version it's not like a hack job 
Um, you know, and, and then the paint job on it makes it look just so much more realistic, right? Yeah. Which is funny because a real Land Rover would never. It's it wouldn't just, <laughs> It's got this yeah. like rusty patina painted on it, even though it's an aluminum body. <laughs> but an, an original Land Rover would have had an aluminum body, so they don't get old and rusty like that. But <laughs> the, the really like the objective with that was to make create recreate the Indiana Jones ride in my backyard, and like that suspension was so spanked, like that thing would lean real hard on the turns <laughs> anyway. So like added to the effect, but at high speeds that does become quite terrifying. Um, but it was fun. I mean, it was very encouraging because, like, I'd show people pictures of it after I got it built. And the first question they'd ask is, like, oh, that's neat. What color are you, what color are you going to paint it when you get it all done? And I was like, but it is done. <laughs> been painted. And the funniest one was, like, my dad saw the body, like, right as I finished it. And it was, like, all brand new, bright aluminum, like, you know, finished out beautifully. And then, like, the next day I painted it to look old and rusty. <laughs> and he was like... What the heck? And I was like, I don't know. I just I like to do that sometimes, I guess. But anyway. So there yeah. was a, there was a Jaguar in there too. There, there? there was an attempt yeah. at, a, at a miniature Jaguar, and I just couldn't get. Was that the E-type that you were doing, or what was XK120. it? XK120. And I could not get the portion proportions right. Like, I think I was close, and I was experimenting with too many ideas at the same time. No, that's not you. And no. it was. <laughs> It was based on like a Chinese, like the littlest oh, yeah, Chinese yeah. four-wheeler you could find. And I had these balloony tires and I just couldn't get, I couldn't get myself on board with it even though it was coming together okay. So that sat for a while and then I decided to re, revisit that project and it ended up being regurgitated as a miniature box Bronco. So... so like, there's actually bits from the Jaguar that are the Bronco? The drivetrain and suspension. I didn't the think I know that. Yeah, yeah, he totally mm -hmm. took the body off. And, the like, body and off. so I, I lifted it instead of lowering yeah. it and then reconfigured the midsection of the chassis, and now it's it's becoming a mini Bronco. So. And, and the Bronco build, again, you're, you're kind of doing the next step again with your detail. Like, yeah, I showed the pictures to my wife. Like, she's it's like, so wait, good. what? Like, she didn't get that it was only like four feet four long. Feet long. Yeah. Right, yeah. And there, there was an attempt at a Mustang pedal car in the middle of all that, but, like, I don't know. The Hoonicorn came out around that era, and I quickly decided that I was going to hold off on that and wait until it could be motorized and more exaggerated. So I never, like, that project totally got scrapped. But, but yeah, the Bronco, I really tried to, like, up my game a little bit. Because, I like, there again, I started experimenting with, we were doing... Matt's hot rod around the same time and like I was really starting to get into the groove on some of this aluminum and getting a feel for like what what is truly capable in that arena and so I've got much grander aspirations beyond that but like I've even made like baby headlight buckets for it and headlight trim bezels and um, like badging and stuff but that one is, is definitely you know, each each subsequent project has, has definitely. I've tried to push it a little bit further than the than the last. So I don't yeah. know. There's I my rant. Think, on I think that. you've uh, been able to do that too, Joe. Yeah. I just need to finish some of them. Yeah. <laughs> and we finished the yeah, Jeep and that. the Land Rover. That's true. The the Mini Rover and the Mini Jeep were completed. So, it's funny because the the Mini Bronco is sitting on my trailer on my RV pad right now. And, like, I've had more neighbors, like, pull up, and the Mini Bronco is sitting next to, or the Mini 
rover was sitting next to it for a while. And like I've had people come up and ask me like, I didn't think they were that small. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that one's like a th two thirds scale, like almost exactly. Um, but the mini Bronco was, was really interesting because that almost garnered more attention even though it's like half the size. And I, I think it's that, that level of detail on it. Like people take a double take and they're like, wait a second, like, and I've had numerous people like walk up and go, it's a, it's a Bronco, isn't it? And that's like, just sends me over the moon. Because like, well, yeah, nobody, right. know, nobody knows what a Land Rover is anyway. We're in I America. Know. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Walks in, like, oh, you made up something. That's neat. Of course, he has had the Mini <laughs> Rover sitting outside his, his house on some rocks. And as he claims, he's yes. had a lot of people stop by and, and gawk <laughs> and at it. Just stare so. at it. I had, it was when it was still on my RV pad, there was like a newer FJ Cruiser. Like, drove up my street, like, super slow. And I'm out in the yard doing yard work. And I'm like, what are these guys doing? And the one dude was, like, hanging out of the window, like, trying to figure out what the, the Mini Rover was. And they drove up the street and turned around and, like, parked at the curb <laughs> for, like, a solid minute. And you could see, like, they're, like, whispering back and forth. I'm kind of poking my head up, and it was, like, right at dusk, and I think I spooked them because they were like, ah, and they took <laughs> off. But I was like, no, come back. I love, I love to show off and, and brag. Talk about myself. Yeah. Talk about myself. So we need to finish the Bronco, and then we'll have a race between the Jeep, the Rover, and the Bronco. Yeah, the Jeep will lose, because I think it's the Because it's a Jeep. It's a Jeep. <laughs> if I built to lose. I, I have aspirations of reconfiguring the, the Mini Rover into more of a, a a robust vehicle, I think. I hope it gets a, a suspension upgrade. That would be pretty If sick. I overhauled the suspension and dropped the seats like six inches in it, so I had a little bit lower center of gravity... Uh, that thing would probably knock on freeway speeds. That would be sketchy. <laughs> the clutch has like a two-stage clutch in it, and I've only ever got it in the second stage twice, and both times, like, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> like, it'll hang on the first stage because it, it's like a sawtooth wedge inside the clutch, and so you hit, like, 2,500, three grand, it starts to go, and about five grand, it'll hold at, like, five grand, until about six sixty five hundred, and then all of a sudden it like kicks into what feels like a whole different gear, and then it like the front end unloads and like you could spin the steering wheel in a circle. Like it, the steering wheel is just there for looks at that point. Like it is terrifying. <laughs> and I like I said, the fastest I probably got it going was maybe twenty five or thirty, and it wasn't done running. Like it was scary. Yeah, I know. But if you if you if they had the suspension upgrades. Like, you could fly by a side-by-side, -side and they'll be like, what the heck oh, yeah. is that? Oh, yeah. Like, it, it, would, be, it would be pretty funny. Upgrade, it's, upgrade the steering while you're at it. It's, yeah, it's a loud two-stroke, you know, 1980 Kawasaki yeah. 440, and it's, it's smoking and loud. And popping. And, yeah. It's, that good it's old two-stroke. Oh, yeah. Good old two-stroke sound. It's, it's pretty crazy. Okay, well, that's where we'll wrap this episode up. I want to thank Matt for joining us and talking Thanks with us me. a little bit about uh, his sweet build, and we'll yeah. uh, I'll try to get, keep getting pictures from him. We'll post up if you're interested in seeing that one. And as always, Joe for joining me um, to talk about some crazy crap. So that's right. Um, we'll uh, we'll keep going, keep doing some stuff. Let us know what you like. Follow us on all the social media platforms at the Project Tears, and I'll uh, see you around. Bye bye. See ya. Thanks, man.